Welcome back. It's episode 65 of the Hockey House podcast presented by Optimex Sports. I'm your host, Mackenzie Murphy, joined alongside by Stephen Glick, Tom Fitzgerald, and our executive producer, David Herman, as we bring you the latest news from around the ACHA and the CHF offseason. we got a lot to talk about this week, probably more than I would have expected at this point in the offseason. Looks like we got some schedule reveals coming out, some teams changing conferences. And of course, we're always causing controversy on social media, getting everyone heated like we did this week. But we'll get into that in a bit. Herm, I guess we'll start off with you. You just flew back from Tampa. Sounds like you had a, a miserable experience. You went to Tampa with the Rangers up 2 nothing. The series is now tied. Kind of walk us through the last, you know, 48 hours. It's been a rough trip. Let's just put it that way. Game three was tolerable because I was sitting in a section full of Ranger fans. It was fun interacting with them and getting excited after the first two goals and having a good time, bantering back and forth with the Lightning fans. The Rangers came out flat for the third and squandered the opportunity to make it 3-0. It is what it is. Game four was one of the most pitiful performances I've seen live from a New York Rangers hockey team in almost a decade. I knew from almost the opening puck drop that this game was going to be a loss and sat there in pricey tickets in a section entirely occupied by Lightning fans as they antagonized the hell out of me and was just complete white hot anger and silence. And if anyone who knows me knows how I get frustrated, if it's loud, that's one thing. If it's quiet, that's another thing. And boy, was I upset and didn't say a word to anyone. Uh, just kind of stewed on it. It sucked. This is where, like, I wish I wish we were, like, kind of at, like, Chicklet's level where we could have, like, had somebody filming you, like, a content piece. Because that's, like, how I felt in St. Louis when the Blues went up, like, 5 nothing halfway through the second period and you stormed off to the concourse, like... That was another moment where I was like, I'm glad I'm filming the content here because like, it it seems like it was a very similar situation. It was that multiplied by a a ton. What was the jersey choice? Because I know like you banned the Rick Nash jersey after the St. Louis incident. It's the Capococco jersey that I've been wearing the entire playoffs. And here's here's the part of the story where where I got to take responsibility because I texted Gorms literally the night before I was ready to take off. And I was like, Gorms, what do you think about me potentially taking a second jersey just in case Kako's not good luck on night one? I have a second one. He was like, that's a great, he, he suggested it. And I was like, that's a great idea, Gorms. Um, and last minute, I just don't know why I didn't pack the second jersey. Them getting absolutely curb stomped is completely my fault. I, I made that happen. I sincerely apologize to the entirety of the New York Rangers fan base. Yeah, and so, of course, Herm, I, I was keeping Herm company while he waited for the Uber last night and just watching on TV as the lightning steamrolled to even up the series. But, yeah, I mean, you're the only guy with a, with a horse in the race at this point. Watching Colorado play was something else. I mean, I thought it, we'd get, like, a gentleman's sweep out of that series, but, I mean, Kale McCarr, very very good at, at hockey. I can't imagine what he would have done in the ACHA if he had the chance to play in this great league. Moving along to one of our other favorite defensemen, Fitzy, lots of action in the Fed this week. Kind of walk us through for fired up in the Fed with Fitz. Like we got three new teams coming next year. We got expansion drafts. Like how did that all go down this past week? Yeah, I, I didn't even know that it was happening this week. I, I knew it was going to happen at some point. You were the one that brought it to my attention, Murph. I, when you texted, you're like, the expansion draft happened? I was like, oh, 
let me check. And then I see just our team's been kind of dismantled. But, you know, there's names of guys that you played against all year and you're like, holy crap, like he's on that team now. Like, I can't believe they didn't protect him. And we got three new teams. It was super exciting, really, because it felt like we were kind of just playing. We played Watertown and Delaware just a bunch last year. I heard that they're going to have like divisions next year. So uh, we'd be in a division with like Watertown. Danbury and I think uh, Elmira, they're going to they're going to be one of the new teams. So I don't know if I got protected by Binghamton or if I was just not taken like I was unprotected and none of these. They they watched the footage and they didn't like the tape. They didn't take you. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't know what happened. Binghamton didn't release like, you know, who they protected. Some of the other teams did release who they protected. So maybe I'll uh, I'll ask one of the coaches and and find out if, if they actually protected me. Well, it was funny because and I think this actually this does tie back to the the ACHA. Dylan Clark is the play-by-play guy for the Thunderbirds down in Carolina and actually had the chance to say hi to him when we went to the game in Binghamton. He also is the VP of media relations, so I assume he handles their social media and, and makes the graphics or helps out with them. I don't know how much he does, but the Thunderbirds were the only team that like released who had gotten drafted from their team. And so I was like trying to piece it together. So I like I checked the Thunderbirds social media. It's like tell me who got picked. I go to Binghamton social media and it's like, thank you fans. Happy pride month. And I'm like, there's, there's no information there. And then I'm like, well, one of these new teams had to have like announced who they picked. It's like the Detroit team, the, the motor city rockers. What are they called? Is that what their name is? I believe yeah. so. It's one of the best logos I've seen in hockey. Yeah. It's I agree. Dope as hell. So I go in their social media page, nothing. And I'm like, wow, these guys, like, <laughs> they're not announcing any players. And then I can't even name, what's the Elmira team? Did they? I forget. They used to be the Elmira Enforcers a few years ago, but now they're. There's some, they got cool colors. I know I saw, like, we got to look it up. I'm going to, I'm going to be stumped here. Elmira Mammoth. Yeah, the Mammoth. I've never seen a mammoth in Elmira, New York before, but well, I guess I've never seen a black bear in Binghamton, but maybe they, they got those roaming the streets too. But I, I go on that. Like they don't even have social media. So I'm like, this is the fed. This is classic fed. Like we got guys getting drafted and no one's posting about it. But I mean, I imagine like this opens up so many more opportunities for, for guys playing ACHA and want to keep playing pro afterwards that, you know, they'll have places to play next year, which is awesome. And like you said, it, it's so hard when there's not that many teams in the fed and you're playing the same teams over and over again. So hopefully this will be a, a lot better for the league. And we used to have a fed team in Berlin, New Hampshire here. And, like watching them when I was in high school compared to like watching you play when you played in Binghamton I was like wow it's like definitely more legit like they were playing at like a youth rink kind of similar to like Delaware I guess so maybe it was just the Binghamton effect but yeah lots of action in in the Fed and Glick you're joining us from Cincinnati this week wearing the the retro pro hockey tee on uh how has the internship been so far yeah it's been pretty good really can't complain but uh you know I come back and I'm just working on trying to find a new coach for next year for the team we just finished up our first round of interviews we sent a short list of candidates to the school who obviously they're gonna have to interview with campus rec and hopefully in about two weeks we'll have a new head coach announced for next year love to see that yeah for me i mean i'm i'm like in that stage where i'm packing up for my internship and i don't know about you guys but like the way i like in order to for me to pack up or like do something i i can't do anything until my room is clean so my room is like a complete mess right now. I won't even turn the laptop for you guys, but I'm at the stage where I'm getting ready to leave. So I'm cleaning the room so I know where everything is and, and can move forward at that point. But other than that, I mean, we're just in the thick of the dog days of the off season here. While people are listening to this, uh, it'll drop Friday so they can go vote on the Instagram story. We'll have the goal of the year finals 
uh, will be going on today. Based on what it looks like right now, I have a feeling definitely Jason Fultz's Liberty goal is in the finals. Bloodbath between Will Faubert's end-to-end rush and Jace Rerick's Michigan. That is basically tied at 50-50 right now. Yeah, literally the vote is decided right now by 12 votes. So hopefully people get out and vote and uh, we get some competition there. But go head to our Instagram story. Make sure you're voting for the goal of the year and we'll award that on Saturday morning and post that. But we wanted to let everyone know. We want to say thank you for everyone who's followed along for the journey. We hit 15,000 followers on Instagram. Um, it has very quickly turned into 17,000 followers. And for more on how we got here, we'll turn it over to Herm and he'll kind of provide the backstory on, on why why we got to this point so quickly during the off season. So Murph posted a reel. A lot of you guys who follow the page have seen the reel and a lot of people who do not follow the page clearly have seen the reel with how much of a global reach this post has gotten. Just the Instagram statistics on it. 8.2 million views, 231,000 likes, 60,000 shares. We get comments on this reel every single hour and we don't know how to turn it off. I see it all day. It's nuts. I have seen comments in Russian, Arabic, French, Finnish, Dutch, Italian, and Mandarin. Like the hockey house is going global, boys. It's it's insane. Instagram decided to to bless us with this and rocket shipped our our analytics. It is it looks minuscule when you look at the last 30 days and then you see what happened in the last seven. It just continues to exponentially go up. It's wild when Reels decides to uh, to look in your favor. It's nuts. And the, the only spike we've seen like this came from when we were at Nationals because we posted so many Reels. And it was like, if you combined all of the likes and the views we got on those reels during nationals and combine them into one video. It was this one. And like, I was joking with you guys beforehand, like this is just from, I saw it on TikTok and it had like 26 likes and it was just like poorly screen recorded and, you know, not well put together. So I just went and downloaded it myself from YouTube, added some funny music to it, zoomed in, we get the whole story and, and it blew up. So it's, uh, it's crazy how the, the internet works. And for more on how the internet works, I want to give a shout out to Bronson Moore, who Sent me a DM. Loyal follower of the show, NCAA goalie for Arizona State, Hockey House All Star. He's always commenting on the posts, hyping up the boys, providing his feedback. I feel like he always gives he gives pretty hot takes sometimes too. Like if we'll post something and be like, oh, like this is this is a bad hit, or like, oh, this is a good goal. Like, oh, you got to like he's always chiming in with his two cents. He chimes in with a comment here, like saying like this isn't a hockey player. Like this is like this is brutal. Like. There's no need for that. Of course, like he thinks it's going to be like a normal hockey house post. Maybe he gets like eight likes on the comment. Well, it it blows up. It goes viral. Millions of views. And now he's got everyone and their mother chiming in in the comment section, telling him he knows nothing about hockey, stalking his Instagram, like saying that he's a washed up hockey player, like all of this junk, all because it just went viral and he had a comment on it. So uh, I think we've talked about before the comment sections on the internet, just a, a complete war zone. You better be strapped and ready to go if you're going to, you know, walk into the comment section on a video with a million views because people are just chomping at the bit to voice their opinions and they don't care uh, who gets in their way. So Bronson learned a valuable lesson in commenting on the internet this week. But I mean, in more stuff going viral, Louisville Hockey got a shout out from their baseball team this week. Fitzy, I know you've probably been watching some of those regional baseball games. Absolutely electric. You couldn't catch me watching college baseball up until like two weeks ago. Like this is the best part. I would actually argue that the regionals are more fun to watch than the World Series itself. 
I know they've got like a good environment in Omaha, but I think like the regionals, when you got like LSU playing somebody at their home ballpark, the crowd was rowdy in Louisville. Cam Masterman hit a go ahead home run for the Cardinals. After the game, they beat Michigan to go to the Super Regional. He's rocking a Lamar Jackson hockey jersey that Louisville had sold on their team website. I think like maybe a couple months ago, a couple weeks ago, they did like a store and, and it, they went viral for having Lamar Jackson jerseys. So they're rocking it. It turns out coach Dan McDonald had been like preaching, like they need to have like a game seven mentality. I guess he's a hockey fan. He's been watching a lot of playoff hockey and he's been telling the guys game seven mentality. So they took it one step further. They got one of these Louisville hockey jerseys. Not only does he hit the go ahead home run, but they they're blasting a goal horn in zombie nation. It's like a bunch of hockey guys on this team. They're my pick. I, I announced it on Twitter. Like this is a Louisville baseball fan podcast from here on out until they lose. I know the ECU boys have chimed in. ECU is hosting a super regional. That place is going to be buzzing. Fitz, any other teams we should be watching out for in college baseball right now? Well, I got to come clean, Murph, and say that I was I was cheering for Michigan when they were playing Louisville. I saw the jersey hanging in the hockey jersey. I was like, oh, that's cool. I didn't think to, you know, like look into the story about it. Tennessee, I think they, they're probably the biggest powerhouse out of the teams remaining, but they had the guy too, who like hit the, he got on base the other night flipped off the outfielder that yeah. was bananas yeah that was interesting <laughs> but it's it's baseball so you know anything can happen sticking with the what's going on on instagram we noticed a trend on on twitter and instagram a lot of teams announcing commitments this time of year and uh large handful of guys uh transferring from ncaa teams first off we had a girl she's transferring from long liu and she's gonna go play acha division one women's hockey at michigan which is a huge pickup for the wolverines uh there's some good news for everyone in, in michigan and then a couple guys, we got Albertus Magnus to Liberty, Albertus Magnus to Arizona, Salem State to ASU. We had one in, in Pittsburgh with a guy going, a goalie going from Chatham to Duquesne. And it was just really cool to watch. And Herm, you're raising your hand. You got Ohio had one too, right? I believe it was Gustavus Adolphus to Ohio. Yeah. And, and it's just crazy. And I think a lot of people think when we post that kind of stuff that we're kind of trashing on, on Division Three. And listen, like, here, how, here's how I see it is the teams that go to the Frozen Four, you know, would murder the teams that are at the top of D3. But those bottom, D1 schools would have a tough time against the top D3 schools the same way the bottom D3 schools would have a tough time playing the top teams in the ACHA. And I think, I mean, looking at it, I think it was Tyler Myers or uh, he, he DM'd us and was like, Albertus Magnus is basically a feeder program for Liberty. They're going to have three guys on the roster next year from Albertus Magnus, which is crazy. But like, why wouldn't you go? Like, I mean, the environment that Liberty has and those guys going to Arizona, I'm sure are going to have a blast. It just goes to show like, listen, I, I think more and more guys are realizing that at that NCAA tag isn't as special as it is. And if you can go to a school and get a good education and have fun playing hockey, like that's all you're going to remember down the road. So we love promoting that kind of stuff. And we, we threw it up on our story yesterday just to kind of see everyone's reaction. And pretty much everyone was on the same page, like saying like, this is really good for the ACHA. I think this is only going to increase in years to come. And there was some banter going on about, you know, I wish more D three schools would play ACHA schools. And um, we pulled up the receipts. I think Chatham routinely plays ACHA schools in the preseason. Last year, they played Duquesne and they played um, IUP. 
the IUP guys said it was a really close game. They they let up a power play goal in the second and then an empty net in the third and lost two nothing. I know the the Bobcats knocked off Chatham a couple of years ago, Herm, when you were there. And we got a DM saying Niagara has a bunch of the SUNY schools on the schedule next year. Stony Brook is going to play Manhattanville. So lots of action to look forward to next year in terms of the ACHA one versus NCAA D three. And we'll have to keep our eyes peeled for that one because I'm sure those will be good. And of course we can't forget UNLV is playing Alaska Anchorage, a division one opponent next year. So that'll be good, but always good throwing stuff up on the Instagram story and seeing the responses from, from everyone. Because like we said, we're a podcast made by players for players. So we're in the dirt, just like you guys. And we want to know what everyone else thinks. So appreciate everyone chiming in on that discussion. How that conversation went is like, somebody was like, duh, like why wouldn't you want to go to UNLV? And so I was like, oh, this is a good response. Like I'll just post a video that we have of UNLV because we have a good relationship with them. Like we have plenty of videos to work with from them. Somebody (laughs) created a burner account and then responded. The, The Instagram name is aren't you club zero followers, zero posts. So pardon my my French here, but they go, holy guys, why don't you blow them? Basically a UNLV fan page. You should track how many posts per team. There's about 300 teams every level of ACHA, and you post these losers two to three times a week during the season. So many sick schools in the ACHA, and you guys blow the same three teams every post. Do better, man. Grow the game. You're the only ACHA platform there is, and you don't even cover half the teams. You don't even cover good fucking teams. I've never seen an Indiana Tech post. Why is that? Because you guys have bias. They're a top 25 team all year. Show some fucking love. Please, it's a joke. If you watch the games, you'd know UNLV didn't have a championship team last year, and you act like they've won the last five straight. Newsflash, they've never won shit in the ACHA. Not one thing. Show love to programs that have not been around and have culture, not just flashy fucking Vegas bullshit. Which Indiana Tech scratch made this burner account and spent the time to write this comment? It was just like, yeah, like we do post UNLV a lot. Like we also post Liberty a lot. We post Adrian a lot. We post South Carolina a lot. Like those are the teams that have like a lot to choose from. I went on Indiana text page and it's, it's like, there's nothing there. Like what, what, you know, like, I guess like though there are certain teams that make it easy for us to kind of cherry pick content. And of course, like that's why they get talked about a lot. And it's also like, that's how we grow the game. It's these big name schools that get everyone's attention. I would put Arizona in that mix. I would throw Oregon in that mix. And Herm, I, I know that you'll back me up on this. I got a bone to pick with this comment. I have cataloged the social media accounts for every single ACHA team in the country, all 700 plus of them. I have seen the good, I have seen the bad, I have seen the ugly, I have seen the non-existent. The percentages say that there are more on the bad and non-existent side. And by showcasing the really, really good, you don't see it necessarily in your interactions, but I know damn well that there are social media managers around the country that are scrambling to make their content better because of the stuff that we're showcasing. By showcasing the best of the best, We're forcing the league to step up to that level. Maybe get an active social media presence. Maybe get on our radar. It's really that simple. Yeah, it was like, uh, I mean, like Kale McCarr, like he had he had five points the other night, but like he was also out on the ice for like a couple goals. Like, that's all right. Like you can you can still win the game, put up a lot of points and sometimes you get a minus. And it, I actually I appreciated the comment, believe it or not. I, I think everything happens for a reason. And it was like a aside from like what they said, but like there are probably teams out there that he's right that we could showcase more and we, we'd love to do them. And But at the same time, like we're just like 
young guys doing this for fun. Like we're not working, doing this as a nine to five job scavenging the internet for clips. Like we're not going to go out of our way, but like he is kind of right. Like we would like to showcase as many teams as, as we can. And maybe he could have said it in a nicer way, but we've had such a good last couple months in terms of that. So I was just, I, I got a kick out of it. Uh, Herm said I should go ahead and read it on the pod as a live reading. So we did it, but oh, and the other thing is like think about it, like that Indiana Tech. They were one goal away from advancing in nationals. They lost to UCO in overtime, and we ended up posting a bunch about UCO because they went deep in the tournament. Like who knows? Like that could have been Indiana Tech, and they were one goal away in the first round. You just that's just the way it goes. And then I guess to touch on that, I don't think we have any bias. I always go back to the comment. I can't remember who. Oh, I think it was one of the Grand Valley State guys at Nationals. I'm sitting on the glass with my phone up and he's like, he's like, dude, like Hockey House never posts us, man. Like, we're just trying to get some recognition. He was like, they hate us. And I was like, what? I was like, what did you just say? Because he thought I was working for the ACHA. He was complaining to me about the Hockey House. Like, I worked for the ACHA because he saw my pass. And he was like, yeah, man, I don't know. Like, Hockey House just doesn't like us. And I was like dude like that's like i am the hockey house like i don't i don't hate anybody like i just post what i find like maybe after a tough weekend i hate the guy on delaware because like they told me to go make more tiktoks like that's all like maybe the uri guys too like those are the two teams that i probably hate the most and like i can live with them they're all good dudes like we don't have any bias like we could post liberty videos all day long because they make the acha look so good when they play in front of two thousand people and we we hold back we hold back those so making a, a short story re- very long but it's all good and in good fun but um oh geez next bullet point liberty all right now we got to talk about these guys uh <laughs> you can't make this up it is worth noting though liberty released their schedule i think it is worth bringing this up though because it's nice like it's exciting when the schedule comes out and you see that you're playing at liberty like yeah it's a tough place to play but it's also like the best place to play in the country your family gets to watch on espn plus if they're already watching the nhl games like it, it's a great experience i was fortunate enough to do it my freshman year the noteworthy things they'll do three midnight games this year against dearborn and unlv who they did against they did those last year maryville is going to make the trip up to la Haye, which will be nice a new opponent the bobcats of ohio will take on liberty on star wars weekend so that'll be exciting i'm sure they'll come out with a new jersey for that we look forward to that but uh, you know of course i go how we we could talk about liberty all day long and they're next up on the bullet point anything's going to be better than c3pl moving along speaking of jerseys uh, this will get her talking again georgia has been announcing their commitments on twitter doing jersey swaps and they just did another one you know speaking of of ncaa to acha two weeks in a row georgia has announced a minnesota high school commitment they had a kid from edina uh last week and now they got Wyzetta here uh and they're getting the jersey swap treatment which is pretty cool to see love seeing teams take it to the next level there sticking in the south south carolina is releasing a documentary series on their run to the chf final four that is dropping this friday all episodes are going to get released on youtube starting with episode one they're planning on running six episodes of this the tweet they said today says these are going to be like an hour an hour and 45 long it'll be interesting to see as a guy who plays in the acha this perspective of going to nationals in the chf i can confirm that the first episode is roughly 15 minutes long. I don't know about the rest. 
Yeah, the, the tweet, I think, said episode one is going to be like the intro, and then two through six are going to be like longer movie style. So it'll be interesting. You know, that's a team we, we always shine a light on. We love the guys down there, but it'll be a good perspective and I think provide more insight on, on the CHF Nationals that – and we talked about after they wrapped up and sticking in the South again, college hockey South. They're up to 19 teams in their conference. They have, it appears the Southern collegiate hockey conference is no more. Uh, I would assume so because USF left that for college hockey South. U uh, Tampa is leaving. Embry riddle is leaving for the college hockey South and they'll be joined by Florida Southern college and Florida tech. Um, like I said, 19 teams. That's really good for those teams in the South to all be in one conference. It's basically, I would assume they play like all conference games to start off the season. Plenty of opponents to look forward to. I, I'm not sure if they're going to do the same playoff format. I know there were some questions last year about that. You could kind of choose which games counted in the conference standings. So teams were loading up on the weaker teams to make them count as conference games. And so we'll have to keep an eye on that. But in another conference expansion announcement, the ACCHL is going to add Denison uh, next year as well as Rowan. I don't think we mentioned that a couple weeks ago when that happened, but good to see leagues expanding. And I know College Hockey South has been really working on changing the image of hockey in the Southeast region. So it's good to see them expanding. Before we kind of wrap things up for this week, we did want to give stick taps to our guy, Louis Shanks. He started his journey across the country in rollerblades the other day. Uh, He kicked it off on June 1st. Louie in 10 for 10 got rolling in Los Angeles, and they're going to blade all the way to New York City to raise funds and awareness for Steven Johnson syndrome. This was a disease that Louie had when he was a kid. It's one that is very hard to get rid of, and there's not a lot of funding for it. And he was fortunately able to beat it at a young age, and he's raising money for this. If you want to learn anything about his journey and follow him along, be sure to follow him at Louie Shanks and at 10 for 10. That is the number one, the number zero, four, 10 on Instagram and follow along with his journey. He's got a film crew going with him. We are going to try try to catch up with him. I didn't realize that we'd be able to talk to him when he's on the road, but I mean, he, he pretty much rests his recovers every night so that he can keep rollerblading throughout the day. I want to say at this point, he's almost to Albuquerque kind of tracking where he is, but it's going to be a grind for him and, and we're really rooting for him along the way. That kind of kind of wraps it up. We'll, we'll come back to you guys in a couple weeks. We've got a great interview today, one that we've been kind of looking forward to doing for a while. This interview is, is going to be brought to you by Optimex Sports, but Adam Fryer is joining the show this week. Uh, while at Wentworth, Adam came out to his teammates and uh, he's joining the show to talk about his experience and how the hockey community as a whole can be more inclusive to LGBTQ community. Uh, As always, this interview is presented by Optimex Sports. Optimex Sports provides teams the opportunity to build and manage their own website. The best part, your first year is free, so be sure to check them out using the link in our bio. And if you're interested in signing up, be sure to use our referral link at optimxsports.com slash sign up slash hockey house pod just to name a few teams that have joined the optimx gang recently uh lake superior state miami of ohio and widener university they are all jumping in on optimx sports so make sure your team is doing it as well before we turn over the interview boys anything else before we go hit it with us fitz what do we got to say um Ah, oh, yeah, I, I was I was rolling, giving it to you the, the sea of boys. I wanted to let you do the uh, do the honors. Oh, all right, run it back. <laughs> see you, boys. Before we get to the interview, just wanted to give a quick heads up that about halfway through, Adam's input changed, so the recording quality drops a little bit. We sincerely apologize for this, and hope you're able to enjoy the interview, regardless.
We're pleased to be joined by former Wentworth Institute of Technology ACHA player, Adam Fryer. Adam, welcome to the Hockey House. Hey, man. How are you doing? Good, good. Glad to have you on. We get a chance to talk to you and you get to reminisce about your, your college hockey days. I know uh, you're in the, the workforce now and long gone are the days of being at WIT, but we're happy to have you on. Yeah, dude. It's uh, it's been a, it's been a long journey. Uh, it's unfortunately I'm not playing anymore for uh, Wentworth, but you know you got to move on eventually. We're psyched to have you on. I think this is a huge episode for us and the message that we'll kind of talk about today. And you will walk us through your hockey career and the journey that you've been on. But I think for a lot of people listening, when they see this episode and and certainly how you got our attention, obviously being a college hockey player and being out in the locker room, and the thing that really stood out to us is the the photos of you with the pride flag and and your media day. I think that's such a, a bold statement nowadays and something that we probably wouldn't have seen years ago, but is now more acceptable in, in the hockey community. And I think, I mean, the last couple of years we've we've seen it. I know, you know, there's an NHL prospect now for the first time that's out. It's good to be informed. And we thought during the month of June would be the perfect time to have you on and kind of have this conversation. Yeah, I mean, obviously the hockey community has uh, come great strides in the past few months or year, I guess. So uh, I know that Luke and who's the NHL prospect, uh, you know, made that big announcement. That was, that was a huge move um, and something that is going to be growing and growing within the hockey community and even in like NFL and all pro sports. We'll get into it now. Kind of walk us through your, your hockey career as a kid. Like where did you grow up playing? How did you end up playing in the ACHA? Because I know you actually didn't start your ACHA career at Wentworth. Yeah, so I, I grew up in a small town north of Boston. Boston, Ipswich, Mass. Uh, funny enough, our town actually didn't have a high school hockey team. We uh, co-opted with uh, Rockport and Manchester Essex. There was a, a movie done a while ago. I don't remember the name of it. Uh, Manchester by the Sea was actually the name of it. They kind of used our hockey team as a basis to go off of. But, you know, small town hockey, Division Three. not ever going to play Division One or, you know, go pro. So, you know, I kind of stumbled into doing something else first. I initially was uh, going into football coming into college. You know, I played Division Two at uh, University of New Haven while I also playing on their um, club hockey team there. Played hockey all my life. You know, I started skating when I was three. Dad refs Hockey East. So he refs like Northeastern, BU, BC, and all that stuff. So, you know, I grew up going to those games chanting him on and, you know, watching people getting absolutely bodied on the ice, whether it be at, you know, the hockey's finals or the NCAA finals. So it's it's pretty cool. Even though I didn't get to play at that level, I'm glad I got to play at some level of college. I grew up in the Northeast too. I, I kind of split time going to, I would go to UNH games as a kid being from New Hampshire and then also made a couple trips up to the Alphonde at UMaine. I want to know being in the Boston area, like what was your favorite Hockey East arena to go to? Oh my gosh. That's a tough one. I'm kind of biased. You know, I Wentworth is right by Northeastern University. You know, Northeastern's rink is, I think, one of the oldest, if not the oldest in the United States. It's just a phenomenal environment. Small old barn, literally old barn. You can see the roof is made out of wood still. It's it's just one of my favorite environments to go to. All right. And then, like you said, you, you were ch- choosing to go to New Haven because of football. Were there any other schools that you were looking at, you know, based on your football abilities? I mean, yeah, there was a bunch of other small, small schools, but New Haven was one of the, uh, you know, my top picks just because, you know, it was a goal of mine to, you know, to kind of stretch my abilities to see how far I could make it. But then I ended up, you know, giving up football just because I, school balance and hockey just kind of all tripped me up. And I ended up just falling back towards hockey because it's something I truly liked and truly wanted to continue to do. Halfway through my uh, freshman year, I ended up transferring up to Wentworth and I ran into who is now one of my good buddies, Cameron Cam- and Lebrecht, who, uh, you know, helped found the uh, Wentworth team because the Wentworth team's only uh, five years, six years, five years old. My freshman year when I transferred there was like its first, you know, introductory year into the school. It, It was 
a quick program, you know, we had tryouts and, you know, we had 50 people show up and it was inc incredible. I'm so glad that I was able to find Cam there and find all the uh, ACHA table. You know, they had that all set up and I was like, oh, are you guys the varsity team? And, I, and then they're like, no, we're actually the club team. I'm like, oh, you know what? Might as well give this one a shot too. Cause yeah, I played at New Haven. So I was an easy transition over to this level too. And we ended up actually playing New Haven, I think later that year or the following year. And I was able to play against some of my good buddies. The game got a little chippy to say the least. Yeah. I want to say, isn't there a clip from one of those games? I think it was at New Haven and somebody gets rocked. I think I've seen that clip somewhere. Yeah, that was, uh, oh God, that was, I think that was my junior year. I forget the kid's name who actually slammed him. I got a couple angry text messages after that game. Oh, they wanted, they were coming for that kid's head. It was bad. Speaking of your freshman year, walk us through, what was your welcome to the ACHA moment? And if you have two if you have one from your time at new haven or one from your time at wentworth like what were some early memories of playing in the acha oh god so my first so my first time playing uh at New Haven, you know, I was getting to the rink, you know, not early in the morning, like we, you know, like most of us did in high school, would be getting to the rink at probably 12 o'clock at night and playing till one in the morning for practices. It was a moment where I was like, damn, I was like, we do not have ice priority anymore. This is crazy, you know, and you just got a bunch of guys, you know, who are older than me, who's like 24, whatever, you know, drinking beer, you know, on a Monday night at hockey practice or, you know, on a Tuesday night, you're like, what the hell is going on? And, you know, that was at New Haven. That was a real shocker to me. And then uh, when I went into Boston, it was more strictly business, I guess, because the team was so new. All I remember is, you know, the school wasn't really nice to us. We had to take a bunch of Ubers. Hockey bags and Ubers? Oh, got some angry calls from the Uber guys, you know. You like, oh, you scratched my car or whatever. So it was uh, quite interesting. Yeah, that's a nightmare with an Uber, too, because, like, you can't even, like, really let them know ahead of time that you have, like, a big hockey bag. No, it's it's ridiculous. Like, even this, not this past weekend, but the weekend before, I was in a, I played in a hockey tournament in New York, and as soon as the Uber pulled up, he saw my bag. He's like, all right, nope, see you later. I'm not taking you. Wow, that is brutal. I'm curious, did you play at Chelsea Piers in New York? Yeah, I played at Chelsea Piers uh, two weekends ago, yeah. Yeah, it was a great It was a great term. It was fun. Yeah, we actually had a guy when I was my, my freshman year at CUSE, we had a guy who was doing his internship in New York City, but still going to Syracuse. And so he was on our roster and we had a bunch of guys get hurt the first night at NYU. And so he actually played for us the second night and he took his hockey equipment on the subway with him, believe oh. it or not. So yeah, talk about, I mean, tough finding Ubers, but I can only imagine what it was like getting on the subway with your hockey bag. That actually just reminded me. This is a funny one. It was not. It wasn't my freshman year, but it was my sophomore year. There was a uh, a rink right by the TD Garden in the North End. You know, it's walking distance right to the garden. And uh, you know, our our colors kind of look like the Bruins colors. And there was this kid. I was going to take the subway home because it's you know a forty five minute ride back to Wentworth on the Green Line from the Garden. This kid comes up to me. He's like, "Oh, you played great out there on the ice." I'm like, "What are you talking about?" And I look around, and all these kids are wearing Bruins shirts. I'm just sitting there like thanks like sick like thanks for coming to the game and i was like absolutely clueless it was so funny the parents are like like honey like why are you talking to that guy like leave him alone like <laughs> <laughs> dude it was bad i was i told my buddy about it and he's like no way that actually happened these guys these kids were just like all over me it was crazy oh that, that's awesome doing a research beforehand and you wrote a, a very well done piece for out sports june of 2020 and you kind of explained the, the process of freshman year not only how difficult it was to kind of build up at that point 
coming out to your teammates, but because you transferred, you had to do it twice. Do you kind of want to share like what it was like those couple of months where you kind of had to build up the courage to have that conversation with two different sets of teammates? Yeah. So, I mean, New Haven, I went in and, you know, I kind of went in that stereotypical, you know, jock, you know, kind of was more worried about my image than actually feeling about feeling comfortable with myself. And, you know, I got into a really dark mode, you know, didn't feel like myself. I felt like I was slipping, felt like I was just trapped inside of my, my own body, essentially. I kind of had met a few people on the team who, you know, were in a fraternity who, you know, had this, had a, had one of these gay RAs who had a gay RA or a gay friend, I guess that was in the fraternity. And he was like, basically an attachment to the team. I kind of just, you know, I went and talked to him and he's like, listen, like, you know, you just got to be yourself. You got to be true to who you are. With New Haven, it kind of, you know, just slipped out, came out relatively easy. And I mean, that buildup was fine. But then when I transferred schools, it just... I kind of locked myself away again because, you know, I got you get into that new environment. You want people to like you. You don't want people to see you as one thing. And you kind of want to be liked by everybody. And you know, sometimes that's a bad thing. Sometimes that's a toxic trait. And sometimes you can get stuck in old patterns, which is what I did for, you know, a few months. And, and then I kind of realized, you know, I, I kind of wanted to feel like myself again. You know, I didn't want to feel trapped. I didn't want to feel like I had two lives, it, even though it's just it's just ACHA, the big old ACHA. But it's still part of who you are, no matter what, like you can't split, you can't have your hockey life and your regular life. You got to have, you know, they got to be combined. Building it up, you know, there was a point where, you know, I told a bunch of people, they're like, dude, like, I'm not going to think anything different of you. And then, you know, you rotate through people on the team and, you know, you get some freshmen who, who you know, are confident in who they are and kind of cocky. And, you know, they start using language in a locker room, the F word, faggot, and you know, I'll say it. There was one situation, uh, you know, where the kid was sitting next to me and I look at him like, listen, you can't say that. And you know why? Because only I can say that. It's like, I'm gay, buddy. Like, don't, I was like, don't ever fucking say that again. Cause you know, it, it's, it hits deeper, like, especially when you get older. Cause you realize, you know, even when I was like younger on the ice, you know, you, you'd hear that word and it would hit, it hit a certain nerve, but I didn't really know what it was back then. Like when I was in like elementary school, high school, you know, I didn't really know who I was. And when I heard that word, it just, you know, it hits that nerve. It's like, you know, when you get into a fight with one of your buddies or you get into a fight with someone on the ice and they say something stupid, it hits a nerve. Every time I heard that word just hit a nerve and that's just the last string you know i kind of just walked out of locker walked out of the locker room after he said that to me and you know he came onto the ice and he apologized and you know, it was all good and fun and i kind of just spoke to him I was like listen like but you got to be careful because you know that can actually hurt someone that can actually you know do harm to someone physically and mentally yeah exactly i remember when when i was reading that earlier today I was like, wow, this is like seen straight out of a movie. Like you just said it to his face and then like got up and went out of the locker room. And I think it's it's a good message too, because you had a relationship with that kid and you could go up to him and be like, hey, listen, you can't say that. And this is why. But kind of like you said, like you don't know what someone else is going through. You could say that to somebody and they might not respond. And then you don't know what, what happens when they go back home and then they're in a dark place. But it, it brings up a really good point where you were mentioning in just like how, you know, the hockey locker room is is its own band of brothers and I can only imagine how stressful that was kind of, you know, not being yourself around guys that you're so close with in, in a hockey and a team environment. But I can't imagine, like, fortunately, you were in a position where you kind of almost made it a teaching moment, too. Not only were you coming out to your teammates, but you're kind of letting them know, like, hey, like, that's not acceptable because you never know what, what somebody else is going through. Yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's a huge teaching moment, even even for, like, you know, a young freshman or even a, 
a senior, you never know how it could affect another person, whether it be on the ice or off the ice. I mean, I know locker room talk. I, I did a huge panel with the Wasserman group who represents NHL players, NBA players, NFL players. It's about like locker room talk and, you know, how it can affect a person. And it's one of the huge things that, you know, even if you're in the locker room, you should keep it tame or just don't say it at all. If, if it's not something you wouldn't say to a person off the ice or even your own family member, like don't say it in a locker room. You don't know who's around you. People around you know that that could still be in the, in the closet or still, you know, not feel comfortable with their sexuality or with their gender identity. It's something you never know. It's even the slightest thing can, you know, trigger someone. At that point, being at Wentworth, was there anything that, that popped up throughout the season? Or at that point, it was kind of ever, everyone moved on from it and you were pretty much happy where you were at Wentworth? Obviously, there's always those little reminders you got to give people, but everything kind of, you know, went smoothly after that. And there was a few hiccups, a few bumps, but, you know, you always just got to put your foot down and remind people that, you know, it's not okay. And like, it's okay. It's not even okay to do it in a joking manner. You know, just remind some people. Just remind, remind, remind. It's all about staying present there. And I, I can only imagine what it said on a team, you know, who doesn't have a person in, in the LGBTQ community or what's said in the locker room. And, you know, even if it's a person who's not in it, like who's not out yet. Kind of going back to this photo that, that kind of caught our attention. Like, when did you come up with the idea to, to pose with the flag? And what was that like when you saw the photo and how kind of empowering that, that was? Yeah, so this photo actually... <laughs> Every time I see it, you know, it, it kind of brings me back to that moment I was going to walk on the ice with the flag. I, I admittedly, you know, I, I didn't walk out straight on the ice for photo night with that flag. I, you know, had it tucked away in the back of my pants and that little flap, you know, my heart was racing. It, it was like before a big game or, you know, during like the middle of a game when you're doing one of those, doing a big play or you know that there's going to be a big play. Your heart's racing, you know, you got all that adrenaline pump, pumping through your system. And my buddy Cam, he's just like, you know what, this would be a sick photo. Like, just do it, bring it out. Just be proud of it. I sucked it up and mustered through it and I, you know, was shitting my pants the entire way. But, you know, once I kind of put it down, I, it's a huge relief that comes off your shoulders when you do something like that. And I didn't really know at the time, you know, that it would be a kind of a message to other people. I kind of just did it for myself and selfishly. I said, you know what, it's, it's who I am. You know, I might as well just put my personality into it, into something and do something creative. You know, you had all the guys like who were bringing out like tables of like, you know, playing beard eye on the ice, you know, bringing out lawn chairs. And then you got me with my you know, doing something meaningful with my photo. It's crazy how much attention that photo has gotten to it. It's circulated throughout not only the United States, but throughout the, the world. My story was republished in Germany. It was, re it was published in Australia. I get messages, you know, on the daily about, hey, like this photo was awesome. Like, thank you for, you know, just taking it and posting it somewhere. It still surprised me as how much an impact it has. And as much as I've used it over the past couple of years, I you know, post it on my Instagram story every, every Pride Month because it's, it's a good reminder for me of, you know, it's those little messages of being there and present that can send a huge message to someone who is struggling or who is, you know, not comfortable with themselves yet. When I see that photo, the first thing I think of is like that maybe that 14 year old kid who's in his last year of Bantams and he's having a hard time being in the locker room. And then he sees that photo. He feels better about going to the rink every day and knowing that yeah. there, there's other people out there. And I think that's why it's so big too that now, like, you know, for the first time ever, there's an NHL prospect. There's a guy who's been drafted who's out. And, you know, I mean, the Oil Kings, every time they do their Pride Night, you know, there's the photos of Luke and his teammates out in front of, you know, the arena with the Pride flag. Like, it's the same thing. It's like somebody out there is seeing this photo and is more comfortable in their own skin, which I think 
is great. And going back to the piece that you wrote for Out Sports back in June of 2020, you mentioned just how far the LGBTQ community has come just in the last year or two years since COVID has hit. Do you kind of want to talk about like, you know, how exciting that has been to just see the growth in the past couple of years? Yeah. I mean, so when I wrote that article, you know, there, there hadn't been really much buzz about any, you know, professional gay athlete in, in the NHL, at least. And then, you know, I wrote that story and then, you know, I kept seeing articles of, you know, oh, this person probably is or this person whatnot. And then Luke eventually came out and it's been absolutely phenomenal. And you can see like even throughout like the NHL and like NHL community and the hockey community, you know, they're, they're trying to be more inclusive. They're doing like the Pride Night. They're sponsoring events of, you know, like inclusive or you know they're donating to charities like the trevor project or pride tape as well you know it's the representation is is being put out there which is great because you know again that 14 year old who's sitting in their room or watching hockey you know can see oh they support this there are people out there who are you know supporting this it's great you know even at the highest level and there's still so much work to do truly in the last few years it's leaps and bounds have been made it's crazy And so kind of after the COVID year, right, that was your senior year at Wentworth. Yeah. Yeah. So going out of COVID, I mean, kind of still COVID, I guess. Um, Yeah. We almost, we had a little hiccup on the team there. We, uh, in a little kerfuffle with the school and uh, we were kind of almost, you know, we were not flexing the rules. I'm not going to put myself in legal territory there, but we were uh, playing some pickup hockey at a, at a rink when the school wasn't really allowing us to practice when every other school in uh, the league was, you know, just full on bore back to hockey and understanding like we're in a city and, you know, COVID rates and whatnot. But senior year, we kind of had a half year, which was interesting. Going into my senior year, you know, I was still, you know, held my head high and trying to be proud of who I was. And we ended up getting a new coach that year too, which ended up, you know, he, I think they had a really successful season this year. I think one of our most successful seasons. Um, I tried to keep up with their games, but work has been going crazy. (laughs) Not a bad problem to have these days being busy with work, but, you know, looking back at your time at Wentworth, what are some memories that are going to stand out to you when looking back on your ACHA career? Honestly, it's not the memories that were really made on the ice. It was the memories that were kind of made, you know, off the ice. You know, whether you're going to a, a party uh, with the guys on what we call Mission Hill, which is, you know, where most of like everybody lives off campus, you know, going to, you know, just going out, just going on the city or going uh, just to watch some hockey. Not always the memories that are on the ice. Yeah, no, I think I think a lot of guys would say the same thing. You touched on it a little bit. Obviously, the hockey community doesn't have the best track record when it comes to being in- inclusive. And I think that stems from, you know, how expensive of a sport hockey can be. And I think in the past couple of years, like you said, there's been great strides. But what do you think that the game of hockey could do to be more inclusive especially when considering the lgbtq community i mean there's so much to say on this topic wow i i honestly think that you know the pride nights you know and doing all these things is great and making making a stride in the community and but i think it's just having a sit down with maybe like the coaches and not even just in the acha maybe just in general being like hey we need to work on this one thing within the locker room the locker room culture you know whether it be just like a, a meeting once a year with like the captains and the coaches and some other players and just listen we need to work on this and i know people are going to think it's stupid but at the end of the day it it does kind of brew that culture where it it shows people that it affects others and you know you can do all these events and whatnot but if it's not applied in the field or 
in the locker room, I guess, then it's not actually going to take effect. Yeah, exactly. I think that's why it's so important. I know USA Hockey is really big on making sure coaches are in the locker rooms at all times, just, you know, because avoiding situations like that. But I, I agree with you, making sure the, those coaches are involved or informed so that. Yeah, just, in, just informed, not necessarily be in the locker rooms, but, you know, just informed about, you know, what could be going on or as well as with the captains, you know, you know, they're really the coaches arms into the locker room. Exactly. You know, you kind of mentioned it like the the pride nights that the NHL does. And I feel like those have been seen a huge increase in the past couple of years. Obviously, when teams do that, they're still getting hate in the comment sections and people throw hissy fits when they see the the pride avatars or the profile pictures kind of what goes through your mind when you when you see comments like that when the nhl is obviously making an effort to be more inclusive and people are still shutting it down when they do it i mean i kind of look at it and i think all right these people are uh wasting their time on doing a silly comment or doing a stupid comment on a post when you know in reality their comment doesn't really matter it's a comment yes and it does take effect to people, but it's the fact that people are actually, you know, putting their name behind that and actually showing truly who they are. I know over time that it'll get smaller, but it's never going to truly go away. And there was a couple, like, I even had like a couple of viral TikTok videos, ones that I didn't make that other people made about me, you know, saying, oh, this kid probably just plays in the ACHA, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter where I play. It's I'm playing. And where are you in life? You know, the fact that people are commenting these on, you know, like, NHL or like the Bruins or the Sea Kraken, you know, kind of just giving them shit for, you know, supporting someone, you know, who could be struggling or who could be trying to be who they want to be is just absolutely insane to me. It's, you know, we're all human. You want the other person to be happy. I would never wish that on someone. Yeah, that's honestly a really good way of looking at it because, I mean, you look at any posts on social media and there's hate comments, whether it's about, you know, a highlight of McDavid scoring a goal or a Mike Smith fluky play, like, Everybody on the internet is constantly hating. Our phone blows up every day when because we we had a viral video the other day of it was a kid on uh, Kent State slashing a kid on Oswego State and it like blew up on chiclets and like the comment section is just people going after each other over stuff that they don't know about. So I think that's like it's a good way to look at it. Like people on the internet are gonna hate comment on any post. Like yeah, why no why think of it differently when it has to do with pride? It's you know it's the same thing you know whether they're crapping or shitting on a professional athlete or ACHA player it's it's kind of just like all right you don't know who this person is you don't know actually who they are it's not in your business whatever yeah exactly so I think you have a unique perspective too of going to college in the city of Boston what are some favorite things that you did in your time in Boston as a student as a student oh gosh. Well, obviously playing in ACHA, you know, I, I love playing hockey in Boston. That was probably one of my favorite things to do. I'm a bit of a photography geek too. I'll give you, I'll give them that. Boston's beautiful. Boston's old and it's easy to take a good photo of the city. Um, and then other than that, I'd probably say, have to, have to say, you know, hanging out with my buds, going to the bars and doing all that stuff. Now, is there like a special section where Wentworth kids usually go to the bars or is it pretty dispersed across the city? Uh, we kind of stay closer to, to the hill, Mission Hill, which is kind of Roxbury, kind of Boston, right on the line. It's kind of, you know, just generally kind of around the Wentworth area. To kind of get anywhere across Boston is either you're going to go to Eastie uh, or Southie and hike it all the way out there and stay out there the entire night, or you're going to go to a bar closer to campus or closer to your house. And then I guess uh, before we wrap it up, what you mentioned being busy with work, where did you land yourself after graduating? I'm currently working at uh, Suffolk Construction in Boston. It's one of the largest GCs in Boston and one of the larger ones in the country. You know, it's it's very high paced up in the Northeast up here for construction. Uh, 
I got myself on a project down in uh, Brigham Women's Hospital where I call us the uh, the oh shit crew. Anything that leaks or breaks, we you know got to run to and fix it. And I mean, for people who don't know, Went Wentworth is really big on construction management, right? Yeah, I think we're uh, I think we were ranked number not to toot my own horn here, but number two in the nation and then number one in the Northeast. Just a little small school in Boston. Yeah. So for all the guys listening and trying to find a home in the ACHA and want to get into construction, I mean, yeah, that's the sales pitch for Wentworth right there. Yeah. You know, spokesperson right here. Yeah. So. And so I, b- before we go, is there anyone you'd love to give a shout out to, a thank you to, or, or any other stories from your, your time in the ACHA? I mean, I just want to thank the entire Wentworth community and, you know, all, all the staff, all the, uh, you know, the current coach uh, and all the players who, played with me from my freshman year or the other half of my freshman year to my senior year you guys are great you guys are awesome uh, you guys are always be brothers to me you know, i was glad to be able to play with y'all 